Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Moira Forbes. She's the executive vice president of Forbes, one of the world's largest media brands, where she is responsible for driving new business initiatives across the company's diverse media platform and branding Forbes events worldwide. Today, Forbes, which is synonymous with success in almost every country around the world, engages 140 million people across every platform every month. Moira also serves as the president and publisher of Forbes Women, a multimedia content channel dedicated to successful women in business and leadership, which she founded in 2007. Moira hosts Success with Moira Forbes, a Forbes interview series spotlighting dynamic change makers and industry innovators, as well as the takeaway. Take a listen. Welcome to the podcast under extraordinary circumstances for both of us. Thank you so much. I'm excited to chat with you amongst um, all the the craziness of our lives. It's great to be here. So I would love to kind of go back in time to when you were growing up and you were in a family that was obviously known for its publishing empire. And, you know, did you, did you know growing up that you wanted to join the family business or was it something that you thought about later as you got older? You know, I, I grew up, I'm one of um, five daughters. So I'm, I grew up in a very large um, and loud family. Luckily, you know, we working in a family business, you were exposed to the business at a very, very young age. Um, my parents and my my grandfather um, had us uh, always um, front and center, talking to customers, to clients, to really just being in it with them within the day to day aspects of of the company. So it was this really great opportunity for us to get exposure at a young age. But my parents also were really mindful of the fact that. They wanted each of us to follow our own paths and to never feel pressure to go one direction or another, because far too often, if that happens, then at the end of the day, if you go into a career, whether it be family business or something else that you don't love, no one wins. Um, So for me, fortunately, I loved business. I loved publishing. I was that kid who had made stores and had cash registers and newspapers. So it was a really natural evolution for me in terms of where my passions were, my four other sisters didn't join the business. Um, They had other interests. And I think that was really important for us to be able to independently find our own paths and find what what drew us in our careers. And my parents were always really supportive of that as long as we were always working really hard. Um, And that was, you know, that relentless focus on, on hard work was paramount to them regardless of what path we chose. So what I find interesting, there's always been a disparity, let's just say, in business with women and men, is you're one of five girls, and here you have, you know, your grandfather, your father running a bit, you know, a magazine that up until I would say the last couple of years, right, men have been the focus. Not not of your magazine, I'm saying in, in business, right? Men have had more pay, better roles. So when you were coming up through the, the business, was there ever a moment where people said, oh, but you're a woman or, you know, any of that that's so prevalent in today's society? You know, I would say there were a couple of, of moments where that really came to the forefront. And I feel like at least, you know, I'm in in my 40s and, and I think every generation has a different experience. Um, but for me, you know, you grew, grew up 
being told you could do whatever you want to do. Um, but I believe, at least in terms of, of that point in time in my career, that there's an age you hit where you start to realize that there's that, that gender can influence your trajectory in one way or the other. And that really came about, I would say, in, in my mid to late 20s when you know people are having their second, third jobs, you're starting to gain momentum in your career, you're kind of understanding the, you know, the, how to navigate um, the dynamics of the, the business world. And that's where I began to see some differences in terms of how career paths were followed, um, how people thought about um, the ways in which women and, and men worked differently potentially in the business world. And I didn't see a lot of role models um, in terms of people I could look up to. Um, when we, you know, at Forbes, we were always at the forefront in terms of spotlighting and recognizing women, even in our very first issue in 1917, before women had the right to vote, we had a column dedicated to women in business. My great-grandfather had a column and he put it on the front of the magazine. But as you know, there's not that many women in business. And so for me, that was an opportunity for uh, to start our women's platform, to start what's now become Forbes Women, because I didn't see a lot of conversations and article and content around women within the business arena, women I wanted to look up to, to learn from, to be inspired from, by, and, and to network with. And so that challenge in my career was the opportunity that I saw to be able to chart my own course within Forbes, particularly being the fourth generation in the business, the only woman in the business, and coming from a family where you know the, the people before me had very large profiles and were very distinct and unique um, as I was trying to find my own way as a woman, but also as fourth generation in a century plus year old company, that really was the opportunity and, and turning point for me. Um, I will say at first, it was really, really challenging um, at the time. So this was in you know, around 2006 to start a platform dedicated to women in business. It was dismissed pretty early on um, in the sense that, of, of course, a, a young woman would be doing that. And there wasn't a lot of commitment yet in terms of um, the power and the need for that focus on gender diversity. But um, but it was, you know, this, this moment for me to run. And um, I've been working on that um, ever since. So let's talk about the family business side of this. For 17 years, my brother and I ran the company together. It was it was not a smooth sailing, uh, perfect operation at all times. And I'm curious, you know, how did it work working with your father and your grandfather? And, you know, how did you guys deal with things when you had disagreements or just different perspectives on business? For me, I was, you know, when my, my grandfather and father were working in the business, they had siblings or peers within the business that they were working with side by side. For me, the experience really was just with my father. And the wonderful thing um, has been is that he and I couldn't be more different. Um, we couldn't be more different in terms of our skill sets, um, how we see the world, um, the way that we approach our day to day. And that allowed us to become a really strong team and to be able to complement each other in terms of the ways in which we were working together and the way for, for each of us to, to bring a different point of view to the situation. I'll say, like as, as you know better than anyone else, it is not easy at all when there's no lines at all between family and, and home life. Um, it's not just literally a matter of taking your work home. Your work is home. And the ability to draw boundaries is really important. 
the ability to learn to let go or be at peace with sometimes the tension and and the conflict. Ultimately, though, always recognizing, and and I feel really fortunate that we were always aligned behind the same purpose and the same values, and that there really is never a choice not to work through the challenges or the problems. The other thing I'll say, though, as it relates to a parent and a child working together, really often in a family business, I see a parent put a child in, you know, as like president of a division, you know, at age 22. And I think that's a huge disservice because I think you have to be able to cut your teeth um, and and gain experience and find your voice and sense of self in business um, in the, the really the most fundamental ways and finding places and room within a company. And my father was great about this and and really finding people who could help cultivate me and, and mentor me, recognizing the, the dynamic of being in a family business, but to learn to make mistakes, to have some distance from him so that he was not my day-to-day boss ever. Um, and so I think having that distance and having that space to learn and to grow with people who are committed to your success or really want to help you in the most generous way and authentic way, that was critical for us to be able to build a productive working relationship as well. So my grandfather um, worked for my great-grandfather, and right away, people were like, ugh, you just got the job because you're family, right? And you just mentioned, you know- No job interview. No job interview. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you mentioned, you know, what was nice is that your father, you know, didn't make you the president of the division and you didn't directly report to him. Did you encounter within, you know, Forbes, you know, people that were tough on you or, or not fair to you because they were like, oh, she's just, a, you know, she's a Forbes working, you know, going to get the family business like my grandfather experienced? Yeah, I mean, all, all the time. Um, and it was you you're in this dynamic where um, you walk into a room or you walk into a, a work environment and so much of your time is trying to prove what you're not versus who you are. Meaning, you know, people think that or perceptions that you, as you said, you didn't have a job interview. True, right? But to have a perception that you, um, that you're not going to work hard, you're not committed. Um, I felt very privileged and fortunate that I had this opportunity, but I also never wanted to take it for granted. Um, and I had, I felt like I always, you know, in those early days was having to prove myself. And one of the areas that I started my career in was in sales. And I was very, very conscious of the fact that at least in sales, you have a number that you have to hit. So there's no question at the end of the year um, as to whether you're continuing to, to hit your numbers and to grow revenue. And yes, you can argue one way or the other, whether a last name Forbes helps or hurts. And in some cases, it's both. But it was important for me to at least have some success that was quantifiable. But you constantly are being judged through a very different lens. The other thing is people don't know necessarily what to make of you or how to work with you. Um, Sometimes they don't know how to give you feedback. You sometimes are living in this bubble where you're trying to get to the root of a problem or a conflict or manage something, but people are unsure of how to approach that and how to engage with you on that. And that's something, you know, I didn't quite understand the how that dynamic worked or how to move through that until I progressed in my career. But I just knew I had to work harder than anyone else because to earn their respect and, um, you know, I, I needed to prove myself. But the flip side is I also got to a point in my career where I had to stop 
caring so much what other people thought. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're lucky in life, um, you have many, many chapters in your career. So a person who is a blip in your life for a couple of years, what a waste of time and energy it is trying to prove that you're something that they think you are or that you're not. Um, and I think that just also comes with time in any aspect of your life, just becoming more comfortable with who you are and it's okay if nobody, not everyone likes you. Um, my goal was to always be respected, but even then, um, you you can't you can't please everybody, and that was a really hard um, thing for me to push through. So, what did you do to push through it? When you say it was hard, like how did you mentally get yourself through that? And I, I do before you answer the question, I think it's you know very poignant what you said about you know sometimes you're you're working to prove you know, and this person's with you for two years and you're like, why did I care? You know, I've had women within my company who were awful or we didn't get along and, you know, I'm sitting there trying to prove myself to them in some weird flip and then they're gone and I'm like, why did I care? <laughs> and that's the thing is, you know, it's, it's funny because that was literally that, that time horizon of years was what I would start to say to myself because I was in, you know, for better or worse, I've only had one job. And, and so Same. you can look at your, yeah, you look at the trajectory of your career, you know, 20, 20 years. And, you know, at a certain point in time, and I still have to say this to myself sometimes, in five years, is this person going to matter to me? Or in five years, are they still going to be, you know, a part of of my life in terms of you know, the influence I'm giving them now versus the influence they should have. And and influence meaning, you know, what their perception or or what I think their perception is weighing on me. And, you know, as I got, you know, more, you know, deeper and deeper into my career, the things and the people I worried about five years ago, I didn't even remember, right? And at the time they had such an exponential and disproportionate impact on my sense of self, my sense of confidence. And so, you know, I, I say to myself in three years, is this person going to, to you know, be fundamental in my life? Probably not. Meaning, people come and go, or just the dynamics of all the different types of people that we work with. So that time horizon was helpful, but also literally just saying it is okay that not everyone likes you. It is okay that you're going to mess up or that people don't think great things of you, and being confident in your sense of self, but also being confident in your ability to just at the end of the day, put one foot in front of the the other and know that you can continue to move forward. Those are at least sort of the mind, the mind games. I, I, I still sometimes have to play with myself um, to wrestle with those, those insecurities or those moments of doubt, um, you know, as it relates to my work life and, you know, my personal life. Yeah. I would say that uh, it, it's sadly, Turning 40 for me made me um, feel like I had, oh, that's how you deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you and I share something in common in that this, you know, you, you mentioned it briefly, but this is kind of the one job we've always had. And so when people get, when other people get bored or no longer stimulated or challenged at their jobs or want bigger pay or more benefits, they leave. What has kept you at the company, at the helm, and how do you stay inspired? I'm, I'm laughing only because I like I. Th- there's so many points in my career where I think about that. I'm sure you have before, right? It's it's this thing where you love something so much, but it's not always going to be perfect, and it's not always going to 
be easy in the environment for whatever reason, whether it's in your control or, or not. It may not be a moment in time, and, and it could just be where you are in your personal life, where you're thriving or at your best. Um, and that's really hard to, to your point because people can leave. It's also can be really lonely. And I'm sure, Rebecca, you can appreciate this too, because you can't say to someone, hey, I'm having like a really awful day or I'm feeling not inspired right now. I I don't want to keep going. Um, You can't say that to the people around. You can say that to your colleagues in the same way that people can say that in the context of, of the broader work world. And I have to learn to be patient while maintaining a sense of urgency and recognize, as I said, this is you know something that just this power woman told, mentioned to me in an interview. She she kept talking about the need to look at life in chapters, and I just have to have faith that you know this. Is what my father would say to me all the time, like this too shall pass. And if you are in it for the long game, and that could be the long game in one job or the long game in your career, you have to also get comfortable with. It's not always going to be great. It's not always going to be easy. What can you can control? And having faith that there will be another side. It may not be what you envision. It may not be necessarily what you think you want or ultimately what you thought you wanted, but there will be another side and you will get there. And even if you have doubts as to when and how and how you know bruised you will be on the other side, there's always another side. And so that's also how I've navigated those moments of, of frustration or, you know, lack of, of creativity or inspiration, just saying like, I'm done, you know, I want to be done. How did you do it though? I mean, you've, you've had that same dynamic. I think it was a mixture of, you know, sometimes you're just like, well, what else, you know, nothing else fuels me. And then other times are my answer is so extreme that, I know it's not even remotely possible, like opening up a sandwich shop in Greece and my husband can run the scooter store. I'm just like, well, that's the only other thing I want to do. So, you know, the thought of like, all right, I'm out of the business and I disappear forever, uh, you know, is so much that I just go, okay, I won't throw in the towel yet, you know? And it's, I think it's a great point. It's like, what else would you really want to do and love and feel that same pull toward? The other thing, though, I think I always have to be careful of, um, and again, I, I think it may be more extreme in a business that has your last name or a family business or when you're working with family, is that you still have to have a sense of identity outside of that. Yes. Um, and that you, it's, it's sometimes harder, right, because your name is tied to it or um, there's a relationship to it that, that no one else really has. And to be able to appreciate that you're not solely defined by your career, by a company that bears your last name is also really important. And I think that's really important for for anyone in in their careers, because inevitably there's going to be moments where things are out of your control or don't go the way that you want. Um, And to realize that that you can build a full life um, that has many, many things um, and components to it um, that you know, when you're in a family business and I, you know, throughout my career, I just wanted to work, 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 um, that I couldn't put all my eggs in my basket in terms of identifying who I was by, you know, the, the, the place every day, the office every day I went into. So what has that been for you, that outside life that you've cultivated outside of, you know, your name being on a, you know, very well-known publication? I think for me, the, the biggest catalyst was quite honestly, just having children. Because um, as you know, um, you know, very, very well, you have no choice 
but to shift your focus and to shift your attention somewhere else. So the moment I get home and open the door, and sometimes I don't want to open the door, you know, when you're hearing the crying on the other side and you're like, oh my gosh, you just want to come home and the kids are happy and they want to see you. That just doesn't happen necessarily. They're usually cranky and, or it's just chaos, but having something where literally there was no choice, but for me to focus, you know, I'm putting them to bed, doing the bath, doing the lawn, whatever those things were, it, it taught me to put boundaries in my life. It taught me to realize there's things that can fulfill me, regardless of whether you choose to have a family or, or are able to have a family or not. For me, it was a lesson of, I have to put myself in situations where um, work is not the context, context or the backdrop. And growing up, it was. It was always, you know, it was always in the background of my life, no matter what. And I've had to be really conscious around putting myself in, in in moments or experiences that get that are that are very very that are you know, have a lot of distance between my day job because it's just not sustainable otherwise. Yeah, you almost get burnt out in a way that I think unless your name is on the door or on the publication, it's it's another level of burnt outness that it's hard to detach from. And you feel so committed to it, and you love it so much. Um, you don't want to detach. But at the end of the day, um, finding those moments to detach make you so much better when you get up the next morning and you go to fight the fight or um, build the thing that you're really, you know, that's really hard or difficult or just find the energy over time. Um, Sometimes you have to step away to be able to be much more impactful um, and, and productive when you do step back in to the the job that you have. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So let's switch gears to an exciting event on the 15th of September, the 2022 Forbes Power Women Summit, which you launched. Tell me about why you launched this segment of Forbes and some of the exciting, we've got Brooke Shields, we've got Emma Greedy, we've got uh, an incredible list, Chloe Kim, Barbie Ferreira. I mean, the list goes on of exceptional women you've curated for this summit. Tell me about why you wanted to start this and what we can expect. This uh, summit has, as we launched it, um, I launched it a decade ago, which is crazy to think. Um, again, when you're in one job the whole time, these like markers of time, it just is can be so 
wonky, right? In terms of like, wow, really 10 years. So I had launched our women's platform in 2006, 2007, or our content platform. And we had been putting together a lot of smaller events and, and convening moments, because I think there's nothing more powerful than the ability to connect with other people who are doing very different things, but who care deeply about the same sets of issues. And that really was the genesis of this summit to bring together powerful women who are re-architecting their industries, who are driving change, and who are looking to have uh, a positive impact in on the world around them. And what I've loved about this summit is it's um, the, the women we bring together. It's a mashup of people that you don't necessarily think would share the same stage or that you'd sit side by side in the audience. You know, we had a, we have the head of the International Monetary Fund, right? One of most, the most um, um, influential, um, you know, policy and, and economic institutions in the world next to, as you just said, someone like uh, Blake Lively. And it's women from media, entertainment, business, philanthropy. And the reason is that that, that mashup is because I think now more than ever, there's so many dimensions to how you gain power, how you use it, how you pay it forward. It can be hard power in terms of, of you know, money or people, you know, heads of state, heads of businesses. But there's also now so much the power of, of soft power how do you use your voice? How do you use your influence? How do you partner with other people who can bring you know, other assets to the table to drive change? So these seemingly different people ultimately are very, very committed to the same dynamics around um, gender equity and, and creating the most um, resilient and um, equitable workforces of, of the future and, and, and just society as a whole. And everyone can bring a different um, uh, viewpoint, but also a different asset to the table in terms of their, their power and influence and voice. And that's what I love because to drive change, you need that collaboration. And the the thing that I've loved most about you know the past decade is just thanks to the, the world we're living in from a media perspective, when we launched the event, it really was just an event, right? People in the room together. What I've loved is just all these, you know, different content platforms that have emerged um, or really, you know, at the forefront of how we consume content, it allows us to scale this content in a way where it's not just, um, it's not just focused on the women who are seated in the room. So this year's summit, we have a live stream. Um, all the content is being amplified socially, Twitter, TikTok, um, Instagram, we're doing a lot of video around it and, and, and articles. And so it's really bigger than just an event. It's this content experience where we're, we're able to gather these extraordinary voices and really put all of our, our resources to bear to make sure that those insights and perspectives reach as many people as possible um, who are interested in how they can tap into their own power and how we can think differently about the challenges and opportunities that we're facing right now. It's an exciting time for sure. As someone who's been a guest and an attendee, it's an event that's so inspiring. So I'm, I'm glad I'll be able to watch on the sidelines this season. So if people are interested, we'll put obviously everything in the show notes, but um, they can, I'm sure, go to Forbes.com to find out more. Yep. Yep. Go to Forbes.com, Google the event. As I said, we 
We are live streaming um, it. So um, really, really encourage people to be a part of the event um, and to consume it and, and experience it live um, through through that the the broadcast, but also to just look out for the great content on on all of our all of our different platforms. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, having had a chance to to spend time with some of our speakers and and put the put the agenda together. I've been so inspired and I've been so en- energized um, and I have no doubt that the women that are, you know, we're so fortunate to have joining us will have um, an extraordinary, extraordinary stories to tell, but a lot of really useful insights and actionable solutions that people can, can bring to their own lives in a variety of different ways. Well, I'm excited. There's always two questions I ask at the end of my podcast, and I'd love to know your answers. Thanks. Is there a piece of advice that someone gave to you or you learned the hard way that you would love to pass on? I mean, I think sometimes the things that that are um, the most important to remember or um, the hardest to learn are often the most simple. And to me, the hardest, one of the hardest things, that, and, and people have given us advice before, but one of the hardest things for me to learn was to trust the power of my gut and to trust my instinct. And I think instinct and gut are something that, that grows with experience and, and time. But to really have, you know, when I'm working and wrestling through a difficult decision or something I'm uncertain uh, uncertain about, really lean into that first instinct or response that I have. And whether it's ultimately right or wrong, there's something that's sparking it um, that I need to pay a lot of attention to. And sometimes um, I will find ways to dismiss it or not trust it. And, you know, more often than not, it is right. And so I'd rather go with something that is right, you know, 70% or 80% of the time than not. And so that for me has been something um, that's been been really, really important. And the other piece of advice is um, that I took to heart early in, in my career was make time to network and get together with other people who are really interesting or dynamic or or within your industry or beyond. And sometimes I think, especially as women, given all that we're balancing in our lives, we think that being, you know, going to an event or finding these peer groups, um, you know, that's, that's, a nice to do, but it really is a need to do. So investing time in those relationships has been invaluable. I love that. And it is true what they say about gut. I agree a hundred percent. So my last question for you would be, what would we be surprised to know about you? A habit, a quirk, a hobby? One of the things that people might be surprised just by nature of the work that I do is that I'm an innately really shy person, um, more of an introvert. And in a world where my business is about communication and doing events, and I, you know, am interviewing people all the time, some people may not think um, that you can be really shy um, and and still be, you know, find huge fulfillment and energy in, in, in doing that. And still my biggest fear now, and this has been literally uh, my entire life, or the thing that makes me sometimes so nervous is to walk into an event, not knowing anyone and and saying to myself, who am I going to talk to first is, you know, who's, how am I going to get through the next hour? And, and, you know, within five minutes, you're fine. And it does get easier with time, but it's always been this reminder to me that I have to push myself outside my comfort zone and that things that I love to do um, innately are going to have to take me to that, that, that moment where I feel, you know, my heart rate 
going up a little bit or I feel more, you know, taken out of my comfort zone and, and that's okay. It just is always, and I have to laugh, like my job is a people job and yet I'm innately super, super shy. And I say that because so often I think when we look at what it takes to be successful, whether it be in a type of job or industry or the role that we want, so often we focus on what we're not versus what we are. So we get really obsessed on those things that um, we feel like are deficiencies. And ultimately there's a strength in there somewhere. And so I was always so worried that me being being shy or um, th- those things that, that brought me you know, that, that really required me getting out of my comfort zone. I focused on that so much um, early in my career and I realized that's okay. And that there's, you know, the flip side is there's strengths to that that I can deploy in other ways. Um, but definitely is, it is um, something that, that still is a challenge. Well, you definitely surprised me. I would have never, ever, ever thought you to be shy. Um, so it, it's true. There's always things about us that we amplify and focus on that are the negatives instead of the positives. So I'm glad you reminded me of that today because I've been doing a lot of negative focusing versus the positive. There's always there's always a flip side. I I really believe this. Like every strength is is also your your weakness and vice versa. And it's just realizing and, and spending time thinking about the other side of the coin um, and what that brings to the table because um, we are our own harshest critics and that is such a drain of energy um, and such a disservice. And just that the kindness we need to give ourselves um, is something we too often fail to do. Amen to that. Well, thank you again for coming on. I'm excited for September 15th. And um, again, thank you for all the work you do to amplify and lift up and uh, show off exceptional women. Well, if, if there weren't people like you, Rebecca, who are doing what you do, um, we, we would have nothing <laughs> to be writing about or talking about. You were such a, you know, you, you were at such the forefront um, in terms of really extraordinary um, female entrepreneurs building building these great businesses and the way that you've paid that forward and become such a powerful voice, not just as an inspiring entrepreneur, but as someone who has really leaned into um, empowering other women and and being a part of a solution that's you know much bigger than, than the business you created. Um, I, I am always very, very grateful for that. Awesome. Well, I'll hopefully see you soon or hear your voice soon. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise, and thank you so much for having me today. It was great to catch up. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.